All right. Well, good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA. Those who are joining us here in Arlington or those who are across the way over in Leesburg. We're kicking off a new series here today and one that I am excited about. And I couldn't wait to get through this series because I truly believe that it's something that we all need to hear now more than ever. But before I talk about what the series is about, let's imagine, let's use our imaginations right now. Remember in school when they would say, like, put on your thinking caps. Okay, we're going to put on imagination caps and we're going to try to remember a far, far, far away land. Like remember, like in the movies, like a galaxy far, far, far away. A time long, long, long ago. A world very foreign to the world that we live in today and everything that we know. And this world is called February 2020. And if you can remember to this far, far, far away galaxy of February 2020, this was a time that was strange. This was the time that the only people who wore masks were bank robbers. Corona was just a drink on a menu, on the bad menu that we don't like to look at, okay, when we go to the restaurant. And none of us could even spell the word pandemic, much less define what it was. It was just something they talked about in movies, and it wasn't realistic movies. It was those science fiction movies that would never, ever, ever happen. And if you can remember back to that time, you could define life in that weird world of February 2020, especially here in the DC metropolitan area, we would say that our lives were defined by being busy. We were so busy at that time and life was busy, busy, busy and always on the run. And back then, if you remember, it wasn't uncommon for us to work 10 hour days at the office. Okay. And then maybe an hour commute each direction. So by the time all is said and done, 12 hours of your day was occupied at work, half your day right there. It was not uncommon that our kids would go to school you know, six, seven hours, eight in the morning till three. But then when you add in like the before care, because we dropped them off early because we had work. And then of course they had clubs after school and then they had sports and then they had their piano lessons. And then of course they had to take French immersion classes, whatever it is, because who could survive kindergarten but only knowing one language, but we had to have our kids knowing those languages. So by the time all is said and done with all that, and then you add in homework, most of our kids were gone for 12 hours a day, seven to seven, something like that. Then you add in our social calendars, which were filled up out every night of the week with a different engagement. That is, of course, if we're even in town, because there was lots of times we were traveling for work or we were traveling for a wedding or we had that soccer tournament in whatever city that it was. Life was busy, 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 busy. And most of us at that time just accepted it. That's how life is. If you're going to live in this time, in this area, and you're going to try to maintain our standards, and you know, we don't want our kids to be behind the Joneses' kids or the neighbors' kids or whatever it is, that's just the way life is around here in February 2020. And then it all stopped. On a dime, life came to a screeching halt. Everything was shut down. No more sports. No more social. No more uh, uh, events. No more going to work. Like back then work, our ch greatest challenge in work, this is when the technology was still new, was figuring out like what's the best brand of sweatpants that we want to invest in. Like that was our, our real work when, when March hit. There was no social engagements. There was no nothing. Back then, even there was a time where we were even scared to go to the grocery store and we did the unthinkable. We ate the food in the back of the pantry. You know that stuff that you never get to the back of the pantry? You just kind of put stuff in front of it. We ate that food in the bottom of the freezer. That's what we did during that time. We did weird things like we took walks, we played board games, we did puzzles, we talked to our neighbors, even the weird ones, we talked to people, we made phone calls just to catch up with people. And what we realized is that life didn't stop. 
we didn't die. We didn't shrivel up when you cut out all the busyness. And when we cut out, that we found out, you know what? Our kids can survive only knowing one language. Our kids don't need to play every single sport. Our kids don't need to know every single uh, uh, musical instrument. We don't need to pursue uh, 12 hours a day and, and work and then three hours a day in the commute to get our job done. What we realized is life could go on without the busyness. And we said this, be honest. If you, I'm not gonna make you show your hands, but be honest with yourself. How many of us said this? I'm never going back to the way things used to be. How many of us said, I'm never going, I'm never going back to the way things used to be. We learned so much that life doesn't have to be that crazy, that we can live a slow life, that we don't need to be out every night. That was 18 months ago. And now here we are. And I would bet, if you're like me, we're just as busy as we ever were. What happened to us? What happened to us? We swore we wouldn't. And we said we'll never. And then you look. And to be honest, like COVID is still here, but we figured out a workaround. Like we just do the same, slap a mask on it and go do the same thing that you used to do before. There's no reason to stop anything. Just slap a mask on that bad boy, wash your hands, and continue the busy, busy, busy life. And I would venture to say that most of us today are as busy as we've ever, we've ever been, even before COVID. And my question is, why do we do this to ourselves? Like, are we happy with this pace of life? Are we satisfied? Is the busy, busy, busy life, is it good for us? Is it good for our families? Is it good for our relationships? Is it good for our soul? Like, is it good for anything? I want to show you a picture right here that I think characterizes what I'm saying right here. Now, for some of us, if you're like me, take a deep breath, okay? You see this? This is a picture of a garage, and it's a very bad garage, an evil, demon-possessed garage, okay? I look at this, and if you look at this like me, like some of us, our heart is starting to, to beat a little bit faster just looking at this. This can cause stress and trauma right here. But if, if we take this as a metaphor, this is how a lot of us live our lives today. Okay, this is the way we live. Just keep stuffing stuff in. Put stuff in and clutter and mess and everything is in there. And once you get to this point, you know the problem with the, there's many problems with a garage like this, but you know the problem if this is how your garage looks? You don't know what's in there. Like there could be a mouse in there. It could, be, it could be a raccoon. Like your youngest child could be in there for like a week before everyone even finds him. If this is how you're operating your life, first of all, if this is, I just have, if this is how you're operating your garage, seek immediate help. Please, seek immediate help. If this is how your garage looks like, I'm happy to help you out. There's probably a million blogs on minimalism. You can spend hours and hours and hours reading about minimalism. See the irony there? Okay, that will probably help you out with this. But more dangerous, if this is your life, if this is your schedule, if this is your budget, if this is your relationships, if this is your calendar, we need to have a discussion because a life can't be lived like this. A good life can't be lived like this. You can exist like this, but you're not living like this. What this garage is missing, what many of our lives is missing is, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. That feels much better, doesn't it? It's missing margin. And that's what this series is all about, about creating space, creating margin. Now, I'm not talking about going back to what life was like during the lockdown in March 2020. I'm not saying go back to that. But what I am saying is let's go back to restoring order. Let's go back to taking control of our lives. Let's try to declutter our garages as well as our lives and give it space because I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. this is the key thought. Every time I prepare a series, there's always like one key thought I want you to walk away from. This key thought is super simple. It's not spiritual. It's just very straightforward. It applies to every aspect of life, spiritual, non-spiritual, and that is this. The best things in life happen in the margins. The best things in life happen in the margins. The best things in life relationally happen in the relational margin. 
in our time, when there's time margin, in our schedule, in our finances, in our lives, in our, in our minds, in our souls, best things in life happen in the margins. And we have been deceived. We have been deceived into thinking that the more we add into our lives, the better our lives will be. And that is simply a lie. We've been deceived into thinking that more is better, especially, like I said, here in the D.C. area. Okay, people, you know, we like to we like to pride ourselves on being busy and being busy. And sometimes people come to me and say, oh, Father Anthony, I know you're so busy. And I will say, why do you think I'm so busy? Like, that's a compliment. I know you're so busy, but like, why? Like, who told you I'm busy? Like, we just met. Like, how do you know I'm busy? Like, did, did my wife tell you? Like, who told you that I'm busy? But for us, it's like it's a status thing that the important people must be really busy. And the more successful you are, the more busy you are. Well, I'm here to tell you that this, that's not true that we have, we have bought into the lie of substituting quantity for quality, of doing stuff versus just getting stuff done. And in the process, we have lost control of our lives. So what I believe, we're going to talk about here in this series how to take control of our lives. Because trust me, trust me, I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but this I know for a fact. The best things in life happen in the margin. And the more margin you can create in your life, the better your life will be. And the less margin you have in your life, I promise you, the impact it will have on the quality of life when all is said and done. With me? Let's come up with a definition of what is margin. I would say margin, I'm going to define it as this for our series. It is the difference between my load and my limit. The difference between my load and my limit. The difference between what I am carrying and what I'm able to carry. So for example, I have 30 minutes of free time. Okay, I have 30 minutes between now and 30 minutes. 30 minutes, nothing on my schedule. I have a 20-minute drive to do during that time. So my margin is 10 minutes. See how it works? It's very simple. I'm carrying this podium right here, and this podium weighs 100 pounds. Obviously, I can carry much more than 100 pounds. So my margin is whatever I'm able to carry minus what I am carrying. See how it works? If I have $100 in my pocket, and I got $80 worth of bills, my margin is 20 bucks. Margin is the difference between what's currently in front of me and the capacity that I have. Now, some of you are looking at me like, that's a new concept. Because we don't understand that. Because if we have it, we're using it. That's the way we operate with no margin. So if I have $100, I have $100 of bills in front of me. And probably $105 of the way we operate today. A lot of us, the concept of having space and buffer is a new concept. Because we live at the edge. So now I want you to imagine the possibilities with me of having a difference between your load and your limit, between what you have and what you can carry. Imagine, imagine, imagine getting, okay, let's say you drive your kids to school the way I drive my kids to school. Imagine getting there five minutes early, as opposed to most of us, which are five minutes late. Imagine, and I realize, by the way, for some of us, five minutes late is equal to five minutes early, but let's say really like five minutes early. Imagine driving to school or maybe church and not driving like you're Mario Andretti turning the corner. Not feeling like you're, you can't physically stop at the stop signs because you're that late. Not having to eat the Pop-Tarts and the kids eat the Pop-Tarts in the car, but being a normal person who can eat a Pop-Tart at the breakfast table like a normal human being before going to school in the morning. Imagine that. Imagine getting to the end of the month and having, watch this one, more money, income, than expenses for that month. You know you're allowed to do that. Some people don't know they're allowed to do that. Some people, because so many of us work for the government, some people think that if I don't spend every penny on the budget, then I'm gonna, it's going to get taken away from me, okay? Because you use it or lose it, right? No, no, no. You're allowed to, like, make more money than you spend. Imagine what that would feel like, that at the end of the month, having margin to be able to spend it, to be able to do whatever it is that you want with it. 
Imagine being home four nights a week. Imagine that, being home four nights a week and being rested, having time to relax, having time to read, having time for yourself, having time for quiet. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine getting to the end of your day, especially parents, but it's everyone. Imagine getting to the end of your day and not being exhausted and not being at my wit's end. Imagine having the emotional capacity for a whiny kid that I don't have to explode. I don't have to go crazy because it's just a kid who's just being whiny because they're just a kid. But I'm because I got no margin. There's no buffer that anything, boom, and the whole thing gets set off. Imagine what it would be like. Trust me, the best things in life happen in the margin, and that's why we got to fight for it. Job said this in Job chapter 9, verse 25. He says, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. See, I don't want that for us. I don't want to look back on this past year. Look how many of us say it. Like, where did the time go? And what happened this past year? Because we're running and we're racing from one thing to the next. Where did the days go? We don't want that when we all is said and done. We want to focus on quality, not just quantity. Let me draw you a picture right now. What life is like? Let me do an example right here in front of you on this stage. What life would be like if you don't have margin? Here I am. I'm standing in the middle of the stage. I got plenty of margin, north, south, east, and west. I'm in good shape. I'm talking over here. I'm over here. I'm fine. I can focus. I can do whatever I want. But let's say I started to stroll up to about here. And let's say I started standing about here. And let's say, I, see, you even saw my face right now, right? The closer I get to the edge, like I'm trying to look at you, but I kind of want to look down right here because I'm kind of scared. And I see some people here are a little scared too, like we'll get him falling off the stage on the camera. No, I'm not going to fall. Don't worry. The closer I get to the edge... Okay, I'm living really on the edge right now. The less I'm able, like I want to look to the people over there, but I don't really want to turn my head because I'm kind of scared over here. That's what happens in life. When we live at the edge, when we live at the edge emotionally, then we don't have capacity for anything else. We can't focus on anything else. When we live at the edge financially, here comes someone that needs money. No, 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 no. I don't have time. I, don't, I can't think about anything because I'm at the edge. As long as we are at the edge of our schedule, then someone comes and says, hey, I need someone to lend a hand. I don't have time. I, don't, I can't think about anything else. I'm just laser focused. Because I got no margin for error. Versus the one who lives back here, he has capacity. He can help someone who needs help. He can listen to someone who needs listen. He can donate when someone needs help. He can help. He can do whatever it is because he has margin and space. A dad recently was talking to me. He said, I'm not blaming this dad. Like I'm, I'm just for the sake of this. He was saying how busy he is and how his kids are such a distraction. He basically can't get any work done because the kids are distracting him. Kids are distracting him. And what I wanted to say is, are you sure you got the right distraction? Like, are you sure you got, like, what's important? And what's the distraction from what? Like, because I think you might have, you know what I'm saying? I get worried that we do that in life. Our focus on getting more, we lose quality. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do this? Like I said, Whose physical health is better off because they're so busy? Whose relational health is better off because they have no time? Whose financial health is better when we live at the edge? No one. So why do we do this? Let me tell you what you might be tempted to say. Let me tell you what you might be tempted to say, which I said for so many years, which is it's just a busy season. Yeah, everyone said, like you know, we just a busy season. Hey, how you doing? It's a busy season. Hey, how's it going? I said busy season from, I think, 2001 to 2009. That was a busy season for me, okay? 
that whole decade was kind of a busy season. And then, and, then I, and I realized how ridiculous it is because I would say to myself, like in the priesthood, you kind of go with the church calendar. So it's like, it's Lent right now and it's just so busy, so busy, but after Lent. Well, after Lent, okay, it's after, it's Easter time and there's so much traveling and there's so many So, okay, when that finishes, after that, it's summer. Summer's, oh, of course, so busy. Then it's like back to school. So back to school is so busy. And then it's Christmas and then it's holidays, but don't worry. Now it's almost Lent again, and then here we go. We start the whole cycle all over again. There's no such thing as a busy season. Life is busy. And either we're going to take control of our lives, or our lives are going to control us. And it was then that I came to a realization where I felt God tell me, stop saying it's a busy season. Stop saying it's a busy season. Because you know what? Busyness is not a condition. Busyness is a choice. How many of us treat busyness as if it's a medical thing? Oh, no, I can't. I'm busy. Like, oh, I have busyness. Like, it's just like it's something. I'm sorry. It's genetic. I have busyness, you know? Busyness is not a medical condition. Busyness is a choice. No one forced you to go to that event. No one said that you have to get that promotion. No one said that you need a bigger house or you even need a house at all. Like, no one told you. You made a choice, and it's time for us to take responsibility and accountability for our choice. And if our choices made us too busy, then we're too busy. And it's something that we can do about it. There's a great story in the scriptures, a story that we all know, we all reference it, even sometimes we don't, we don't, we miss the main point of it, but we reference it a lot, just the story of Mary and Martha, which is the time that Jesus went to the house of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one of them made a choice. Well, I should say, they each made a choice. And Jesus talks about it here. Jesus says, Luke 10, 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, one thing is needed, and Mary, here's the key word, has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. It's a choice. Mary made a choice. Martha made a choice. Martha's choice was to do and to work and to busy. And Mary made a choice to say, you know what? Let it go. I'm going to sit here at the master's feet. And I'm telling you that every one of us, in, there isn't a person here who's more busy than another person. Every one of us has, has pressures at work. Every one of us, okay, has family responsibilities. Every one of us has things that we want, dreams and things, every one of us. But the question is, what choices are you making about what to prioritize? And in case you're wondering, where does this come from? Like, why can't we get this right? Like, every one of us knows that it's affecting our lives. I have a hypothesis as to what is the root of our busyness. I think the root of our busyness like we say, I don't have self-control. Or like I said, it's just a season, or it's just the nature of my work, or it's my, my kids, or like all those things, none of those things are true. You know the truth? I believe it comes down to fear. You know why? Listen to your own words. When someone says, you need to slow down, you need to spend less time at work, you need to spend more time in quiet, you need to not be out every night. Listen to what your words that you would say. All every time what we say is, well, you know what, Father Anthony, I can't slow down. I can't slow down because if I do, I'm afraid that. I'm afraid that this will happen at work. I'm afraid that I'll miss out on whatever social event. That's why they came up with the whole idea of FOMO, fear of missing out. I'm afraid that if I don't go, then something really cool will happen and I won't be there to take a picture of it and post it. So like, I'm afraid that, or I'm afraid that my kids, again, I'm afraid that if I don't sign my kids up for this, they're going to be in therapy the rest of their lives because they only knew one language going into kindergarten. I'm afraid that. That's why margin is not just about being productive. 
is not just about relationships. Margin is a more spiritual topic than you think. I say it this way. I think busyness finds its root in fear, and therefore margin is an exercise in trust. It's an exercise in faith. It's an exercise in who do you believe that God is. In the same way that we choose busyness out of fear, I think it's time that we start choosing margin out of faith. And what I want to do here today quickly is I want to look at three principles or laws, I should say, three laws that God gave in the Old Testament. God was very clear that margin is a must. I, he commands it in multiple ways. And I want to talk about three ways that God commanded margin in our lives. The first two you probably heard of, you're probably familiar with. Third one, maybe not so much. Let's go back to an Old Testament context and understand what was the mindset of pe the people of God when God is giving them the commandments in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and those kind of books. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years before God freed them, Moses, Red Sea, go into the promised land. As they were about to enter the promised land, God gave them laws. And these laws were critical because this was how God was trying to explain to them how life works now that you're free. You see, when you're slaves, you don't really need a whole bunch of laws because you don't have any choices. So as slaves, they just did what they were told. And that's why when they had freedom, God had to tell them, okay, now that you're free, this is how life's supposed to work. That's why God told him, for example, things like um, about like uh, medicine. Okay, before there was doctors and there was medicine, there was God. And God said, like we talk about quarantining right now, God was the first one. He said, if you see someone with this kind of sickness, I know you don't understand what that is. Put them over there, okay? That's called leprosy. Just put them over there for seven days. And then after seven days, send the priest over, lucky priest, okay, to go over and check on them. If they still got the white stuff all over their face, keep them there another seven days and make sure no one goes and talks to them. And then when the priest checks them out and says they're okay, okay, bring them back in. God was telling them how life works. God gave them dietary laws because they didn't understand what, what, what kinds of, of bacteria. And this is what you should eat. This is what you shouldn't eat. This is going to cause you problems. God was giving them all that stuff, teach them like how life operates. And this was especially important when it came to these principles about margin. Because a slave doesn't make decisions about how they spend their time. A slave only does one thing, which is what? work. A slave has no margin. A slave wakes up in the morning, goes and works, work, 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 work until you can't work anymore. You send, get sent home. You wake up in the morning and what do you do? You work, 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 work. And if you don't work, like there's no union jobs back in the day. There was no such thing as employee rights. There was no such thing even as, you know what? Like, let's say there was like primitive medicines. Slaves didn't get medicine. If a slave got sick, you just threw them away because they're a slave. This was the mindset of the people. This was how they operated. That's why God had to come to them and say, okay, we need to shift this mindset. And he gave them three rules. The first one is the one we know about Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 10. It says, this is the, the Ten Commandments, okay? Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. A slave hears this and thinks what? No work? What am I supposed to do? 
Like, they didn't understand, like, hey, let's go take a walk in the park. Hey, let's go hike on a mountain. Hey, I heard this is a beautiful scenic, whatever. They didn't understand that. Even when they were free, all they knew was work. Because, again, before you were a slave, you had no choice. Now you had choice. You would get up. You would work. You would get paid your wages at the end of the day, and then you would do what? You take those wages, you go to the market and buy dinner and go home and eat dinner. There's no bank accounts. There's no 401k. There was no nothing. You worked. You got paid. You bought your dinner. You went home and you ate it. You did the same thing the next day. And God tells them, no. I know how you're wired. And I know what that's going to do to you. And I know that you can't make it long-term with that way. So God, listen how great our God is. God makes it illegal to work on one day of the week. Like, how could you not love this God? Like, even if you don't want to believe in God, he gives you a day off. He commands a day off. Like, what better God is than that? And in case you want to understand, we'll see the same passage from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Same passage repeated, but here God explains the rationale behind why this day off is so important. Observe, this is Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. And again, he goes through the whole list. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant, your female servant, may rest as well as you. You need to rest. Now watch in this next passage, he explains why. Remember that you were a slave. That's a strange thing to throw in there. But he says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why does he say, remember that you are a slave and God freed you? Because he knows. As soon as I say, keep holy the Sabbath day, but God, well, what if? What if we lose our job? What if we don't have food? What if, what if, what if someone else comes and steals our vineyard? Like, what if, what if, what if? I'm afraid that. And he says, hey, this ain't the first rodeo. We've been through this together. Remember when you were slaves? You had nothing. Then I showed up. The whole Red Sea thing, the 10 plagues, like you remember that? So Sabbath is an exercise in trust me. Trust me. I got you. Next principle is the principle of tithing. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, financial. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. Now, again, imagine their mindset. They didn't have banks. So it wasn't like they could see their bank account was this, you know, and then they take it. It wasn't like that. How they got paid. Okay, so imagine again, you got paid this amount of money and you're going to go buy dinner. But God said, no, no, no. You got paid 10, you know, silver coins. You take one of those coins and you put it in a jar. And every day they would see that jar and they would add to that jar until it was the appropriate time to make an offering. Okay, like whatever time of the year or whatever it was, they would then tie those offerings. So I think this is an important concept. I think it was important for them to every day receive money, put one right there, and then go and spend the rest. And every day they walked by, and they were reminded that something I was given doesn't belong to me. Something I was given doesn't belong to me. Something I was given doesn't belong to me. And I saw this with my kids. Okay, we didn't do this on purpose, but we just kind of backed into this, is that when we started trying to teach them about, like, financial management and things like that, we taught them that there was a jar for spending, a jar for saving, and a jar for giving. Okay, you may have heard of that concept before. So what would happen is you would put the money in the giving, but they wouldn't give it like every week. Okay, like once a month or we consolidated or whatever it is. So you would see that like, hey, that used to be in my, I earned that. 
but it's not mine. I can't touch it. Because that's what God was trying to teach, is that not everything that you earn, not everything that you're given is yours to do whatever you want with. There has to be some margin. Third principle or third law is the law of gleaning. This is the one that you may not have heard of, but this is Leviticus 19, verse 9. It says, you shall wholly reap the corners of your field. You shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. This one's crazy. This one's crazy. I own this piece of land, and I got grapes and corn and watermelons and bananas or whatever it may be. And I go and take my basket, and I fill my basket up as much as I could. And then, you know what? As I'm walking, some of the stuff falls out. God says, leave it. And then I filled up my basket here, but I still got some more land over there. God says, leave it. Don't go all the way to the edge. Just do your best over here. Oh, whatever fits in your basket, you're good. That's insane. Why would I do that? Remember, this is the slave mentality where I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But God says, leave it. Leave it for the stranger. Leave it for the poor. <clears throat> Why? That's what he says here. He finishes the verse and says, simple. Because I'm the Lord your God. Because I'm the Lord your God. You can trust me. You got me. Those strangers don't got me. When you were before, you didn't have me. But you say you believe in me, and you say you trust me, and you say I'm the almighty God, you got me. Leave it and trust. Did Jesus ever talk about margin in the New Testament? Absolutely he did. There's a passage that I'm going to show you right now from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to show you this passage. You've read it before. You've heard it many times. Somehow we have convinced ourselves that this verse does not apply to us. It does not apply to 2021. It doesn't apply to the world today. But I'm going to show you I think Jesus meant what he said. When he said this. He said, therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. Did you realize that when you worry, you break a commandment that Jesus said? Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now listen to carefully what he says. Don't worry. Don't be stressed. Don't be afraid. You know who's afraid? Who's afraid? According to what Jesus says here. The Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Gentiles are not atheists. Gentiles were not people who didn't believe in God. Gentiles were people who believed in the wrong God. The sun God, the moon God, the river God, the whatever God. These are people who believed, sorry, dumb gods. Gods who couldn't do anything. Weak gods, statue gods, pieces of wood god, cow god. These are people who had no idea that God loves them. These are people who had no idea that God is their father. You guys know better. You guys have a heavenly father who you say trusts. You trust in him and he cares for you. So how can you act like them? How can you be the same as them? How can my life and my worry be the same as the people who don't believe in God or don't know the right God? That's why he says this. He says, for your heavenly father. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Like, come on. Come on. Your heavenly father knows. Your heavenly father knows the anxieties, the stresses, the pressures. Your anxiety knows, your, your heavenly father knows what your kids need to be successful in life and whether they need that event or not. Your Heavenly Father knows that you don't operate well when you are at capacity with no margin. Your Heavenly Father knows. So trust Him. What would your life look like 
if you truly, truly, truly believe these words? What would your life look like if you truly believed that you're not, I'm not an orphan. I'm not on my own. I have a father who cares about me, and that's the richest father, the strongest father, the most powerful father. Nothing is outside of his control. And if I truly believe that, then maybe my life would look a little bit different. For example, maybe when it comes to work, I would think to myself, you know, I could make more money with that job. I could make more money if I worked a little bit more, and, but it might require me to work on weekends, but I'd probably make a little bit more money. Probably good, but you know what? I trust God will take care of me. I think I need to be in church on Sundays. I don't need that job. I trust God. What would my life look like if I truly trusted God and said, you know what? God, all the other kids, this kid learning French, this kid learning German, this kid knows whatever language. My dumb kid only knows one English language. How's he? He's going to be behind, and I'm going to be the joke of the neighborhood. But you know what, God? You know we don't have any more capacity. You know that the more we add into our schedule, the more we're at each other's throats, and you know that's not good for them. So you know what? I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to say, you know what? My kid, I'm going to roll the dice. going to go to kindergarten, just one language, and I'm going to roll the dice that you'll find a way to make him successful in life. What if you were to say, if you truly trusted this, people are going out again, hanging out this Friday night, going over there on Saturday night, doing whatever it may be, and you know what? I don't want to miss out, and I don't want to be the only one who's not there, but you know what? I haven't spent time alone with you, God, in so long. So you know what? I'm going to roll the dice here. I'm going to trust that you'll take care of my social life. I'm going to spend this night with you because I haven't spent time with you in a long time. Is that crazy? It's crazy. I'm telling you, if we get to that point, if you get to this point with margin, you will look back at your old life and you will say, I don't know how I operated all those years. Just like the garage picture that I showed you in the beginning. When you get to the point with the garage and the everything in its place and the space to breathe, you'll look at it and say, I don't know how I operated there before. Most of us, if we're honest, our lives are like that cluttered garage, enough is enough, it is time for us to take control. And in case you're still not convinced, I have one more thing that maybe can convince you that you have to do on your own. If you're not convinced, because again, successful and busy are somehow tied together for us. And it's always the allure of more will make my life better. In case you're not convinced, here's what I invite you to do. Find someone who's one step ahead of you in life, or maybe two steps ahead of you. Meaning like if you're in your 20s, find someone in their 40s. Okay, if you're in your 40s, find someone in their 60s. If you're in your 60s, God bless you, you did a great job in life. Okay, like you graduated, okay? Like, congratulations, we love you. Find someone who's one step ahead and ask them. Ask them. Ask them what, what, what they could, if they could go back. Ask them what lessons they've learned. And I'll tell you exactly what they'll say. This is what you would say to someone who's a step behind you. What you would say is, take advantage of every opportunity because you don't get another chance. You don't get another chance. Look here. If you have two-year-old, three-year-old toddlers, you only get one shot at them being toddlers. You only got one shot at that family dynamic. After they're not toddlers anymore, they're never toddlers again. Stop complaining about them being toddlers. Stop trying to fit as much. Enjoy that moment. You don't get it over again. You're newly married. You don't get another opportunity to be newly married. That's your only shot. 
You got one shot at it, and you want to make sure that you invest in the right things and not come back and do it. There's no more do-overs. Like, life is not like college. In college, you fail, take the class again, no problem. Parents are paying. You fail, take it again, no problem. There's always extra credit. Life in that way. Life in that way. If you don't take advantage of this opportunity, you will look back, and you'll say, I wish I had. Wish I had. Wish I'd spent more time on the important, not the urgent. I wish I hadn't just stuffed more things in our schedule thinking that more would be better. I wish I had made more time for myself. I wish I had more time in my quiet. I wish I had learned how to pray before the disaster happened. Solomon the Wise says it this way. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Amen. Give me one handful with quietness, with peace, better than two handfuls toil and grasping for the wind. This is what we want to get to. I look at this verse, I don't know about you, but I say this is, th this is what I want. This is what you want, isn't it? If that's the case, stick with me in this series. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk specific. Today, we're just kind of laying the foundation. Next couple of weeks, we're going to get into specifics, specifically with our relationships and our schedules. Those are two areas we're going to focus on. It applies to every area. It applies to your finances especially, but we're not going to really focus on that. We're going to look at our schedules and our relationships and see how we can take control and start living. But before we get to the specifics next week, I have two homework assignments for you to do, and I want you to do these two homework assignments. If you want to get the most out of this series, I want you to do these two homework assignments. It's not long, but it might not be easy, but it's valuable for you. So two homework assignments. And the first one is to get talking. And Amy said earlier that if you have the STSA app, okay, you can hit the notes button, and there'll be, uh, you can follow along with all the verses right there that we talked about right here. And at the bottom, you'll see three questions. I put them up here on the screen. You can take a picture of it, or like I said, you can go to the STSA app after, after we finish right here. I would like you, I would invite you to spend five, 10 minutes today discussing these questions. Could be your family. Okay, maybe your family on the car ride home instead of just fighting about what we're going to eat for lunch. Maybe you can discuss this on the car ride home. Maybe if you are going out to lunch with a group, okay, it's beautiful weather out, we'll go hit Napoleon Rico, whatever it may be. Go ahead and discuss these questions instead of just talking about what our football team is going to not do again today. Okay, spend a little bit of time, discuss something of benefit. Whatever it may be. You got your group of friends. Maybe it's your sister in California that you're tell her to watch the video and discuss it. I don't care. But let's spend a little bit of time, answer these questions, and let's be honest. And the questions that you see up there on the screen. Number one, how would you assess the amount of margin in your life right now? Number two, what fear is driving you to keep pushing yourself to the limit? Number three, how might a lack of margin be affecting your intimacy with God and with others? I'm telling you, when we discuss things, here is one-way communication. You're listening to me, but I'm telling you, if you can get the communication to come out this way, the likelihood of it sticking is significantly greater. So don't just take it in right here, spit it back out, make a big difference. So that's the first homework assignment is get talking. The second is the exact opposite, is to get quiet. And I'm going to challenge you to do something that is, seems so simple, but I'm telling you, the hardest part of your week is going to be what I'm challenging you to do right now. And that is every day. I'll give you Sunday off because today's the day of the Lord. But I'll give you today, tomorrow through Saturday, five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. Five minutes a day of nothing. Silence. And I'm telling you, it sounds so easy. But I'm talking about five minutes, no phone, no TV, no music, no laptop. 
like even like no reading, like I'm not even saying to read the Bible. You should read the Bible, but outside of these five minutes, I'm not saying to say your prayers. I'm just saying five minutes of silence. Did you know that every day, 24 hours, we have 1,440 minutes a day. And if you can't find five of the 1,440 minutes, if you can't find five, to be silent, to do nothing. Let's just say that's not good. Blaise Pascal, who's a smart guy, mathematician, theologian, whatever it was, he's the one who said, you know, all of humanity's problems, all of humanity's problems come down to man's inability to sit quietly alone in a room by himself. And I believe that to be true 1,000%. All of man's problems come from our inability to sit alone and be quiet, and that's never been, that was true when he said it centuries ago, and it's exponentially more true today. Whatever it is that the excuse for not being quiet will still be there when you finish. So I got to do the laundry. Laundry will still be there. I got to do something with my kids. Your kids are beyond help. Just leave them, okay? Like just, the five minutes ain't going to make a difference, okay? They, that's fine. Uh, I need to work out. The workout will still be like, whatever it is will still be there in five minutes. If we can't take five minutes out of the 1,000, 440 minutes that God gives us every single day. If I can't take five to be quiet, then I got serious problems. And what I believe is going to happen, then we're able to make time for ourselves in this five minutes. I think we're going to see a verse like Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and we're going to start to understand what it means. And that is simply this. This is my prayer for all of us in this series is, come to me, Jesus says, not me, but come to Jesus, okay? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The best things in life happen where? In the margins. We're going to start this week, take control of our lives, and build that margin into our life so we can stop just existing, stop being busy for the sake of being busy, and truly start living. Let's stand together for our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, you promised to give rest to those who come to you. And we, here we are, Lord, standing right here right now. All of us, Lord, are weary in our souls, in our minds, in our bodies, in our relationships, in our schedules. But we come to you, Lord, trusting in you, knowing that we have a Heavenly Father who cares about us more than we can possibly imagine, and trusting that when we come to you, Lord, you will give us rest. We pray that you would guide us during this week to be able to do these things, Lord, and begin to experience that rest that you have promised. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers and intercessions of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our